everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome my new friend, Helen Kingry. Hey, Helen, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. Um, it is my pleasure. I、uh, We were just talking about, before I hit record,、um, Helen is、uh, a working full time mom. So basically, she's on the go all the time. And、um, so I really appreciate more than you know、uh, the time that you're giving me today to chat with me and tell me about your journey a little bit.、Um, so, without wasting too much more of your time,、um, we'll get started.、Uh, so, Helen, What is it that you do? <laughs> <laughs>、um, so, my official title is、um, Associate Director for Communication.、Um, I work at Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.、Um, specifically, I work in the National Center for、um, Birth Defects and Disabilities, and I work on human development and disability.、Um, my topic areas include. Um, autism, lifetime disability, hearing loss,、um, ADHD, Tourette syndrome, fragile X, things like that.、Um, yeah. Okay, so can you repeat your, your title one more time? Of、me? course, yeah. Associate Director for Communications. Okay, so like with all the description that you gave, as far as like Associate Director of Communications, what does that even mean? Like, In my head, it's like, okay, is that a marketer or what is that? What do you do? Yeah. So、um, when I try to give a very short answer, I usually、uh-huh. just say, I'm a writer for the federal government, and then everyone can think what they want to.、Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think um, my role,、um, I just started it actually. So I got this job、um, last month. <laughs> That's so crazy. So, <laughs> Congratulations, so, by the thank way. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you. Yeah.、Um, so, the way I like to describe、um, sort of what I do、um, more specifically, like a longer version, is just that、um, I do a lot of、um, collabor- collaborating across the agency on topics of disability because it is a cross cutting issue、um, that affects all kinds of different, you know. Um, topic areas,、mm. um, including COVID and you know, the heavy hitters.、Um, and then、um, within my center and my team, I, most of my day is spent、um, handling media and general inquiries that come into the CDC on、mm-hmm. our topics.、Mm-hmm. I also、um, spend a lot of time reviewing content、um, before it goes out to the public.、Mm-hmm. Um, I manage a few people.、Um, and then I would say I do a lot of strategic planning and situational analysis for our division.、Um, so, what that means is、um, thinking about our you know, our por- portfolio of work,、um, keeping an eye on you know, our websites,、mm. media attention. Kinds of research are currently、um, getting published、um, and being able to tell a story of、mm-hmm. what it is that we're doing, accomplishing with the funding that we, are be- we have been given. So,、oh, I- um, yeah, so I, I think、um, my role is 
is sort of like that eagle eye view of like what what the public views um, so that it's kind of cohesive with the rest of the agency. Um, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, no. Um, okay, how interesting. I, uh, as you're talking, I realized, oh, what do I think the CDC does? Like in just general, like, um, you know, I think for me, when I think of center, um, of disease control here in Atlanta and Georgia, like, you know, growing up here, I knew that it existed here and all the things, but I'm like, Oh, like as you're talking, I'm like, Oh, maybe I don't realize there's so much more to the CDC than just like health policy and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so as far as like, you know, the areas and topics that you said that you are kind of in charge of um, as far as communications and things like that and publications, like um, what kind of material actually is being, is it like, you're, so you said like websites and stuff, mm-hmm. but what other things need to be like reviewed then as far as content that the CDC produces for the public? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, sometimes it's a press release, sometimes mm-hmm. it's social media content through, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, sometimes it's uh, partner organization outreach. So like, for example, we do a lot of work with Special Olympics. And so whenever we have a new release or something that we find could be helpful for partner organizations, we reach out specifically to them and um, they either use the tools that we're providing or they push that content out through their networks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the, you know, most up-to-date research tools and trainings are, you know, going out to the people who need them. I um, see. So mm-hmm. are you um, a writer at heart? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel really lucky. I, I, oh, I've always been a writer. Um, and, you know, one day hope to write my own book. Um, so I do, I mean, I enjoy writing. It's like definitely a stress relief for me and um, a creative outlet. And so doing it at work, um, it's just bonus. I love my job for that in that regard. Yeah. Really? You love your job? I just feel I like, love it. I guess the reason I'm asking is like, in my head, it's like, okay, uh, creative writing and then writing for the federal government is like two, seems like two different things. Um, <laughs> um, but does that mean you just really enjoy the idea, the idea of like, creating and writing for people to like understand or what is it that you love about writing because I I used to like writing I don't enjoy it as much as I do anymore but um yeah what is it that you love about writing yeah um I think you know one of the things I really like to do um is so I don't know if you've ever been in this sort of situation where you, you know, you draft something and you send it out and like have every, like a whole bunch of people review it. So like okay. they'll edit it, track changes, redline, like all this stuff. And the, it's like one of my very favorite things because I hear like 10 different voices in the document and I'm like, okay, how can I make as many people happy as possible so that we're achieving 
some of the same, you know, priorities as we write this document. So that's like this personal challenge to me of like, you know, how do I make everybody sing the same song? Um, and for the things that we can't achieve together, how can how can I reframe or how can I, you know, negotiate with that person? So it's like, for me, it's like this, like, song, you know, this It's this an art. Dance, right? Yeah. That's it's so crazy, much fun. Helen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I love that so much because I'm like I'm in awe because um man you have really found an art to what it is that you do and I I think that I've never viewed writing that way like in my personality if when I re- I first of all like drafting and then getting edits and then having to do it again is like against my personality because I'm like a perfectionist <laughs> And I want it to be done right the very first time, you know, and yeah. um, I, so uh, in co- I studied mass media arts and then I wanted to be like going to video and film. And then right out of college, my first job was the, was like a post editor um, mm-hmm. in post. But I hated my life because like <laughs> because I was sitting editing videos for like hours and I'm like and it was never good enough right and I was like this is horrible like yeah yeah but anyways I just love what you said so much and I could see the twinkle in your eye Helen that you were like this is what I I really enjoy and that you challenge yourself to do that so like do you find so much satisfaction when you get it right oh yeah yeah it's one of my yeah it's what I you know it's that's the thing you, you have the taste for and you're like, okay, let's do that again. You know, like get to that point where you release all these materials that um, everybody agrees on, you know, everybody's like, yeah, this is the message we want to put out there. Um, yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. Release days are always the most fun. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, what I would love to know is you said that you just got this job, um, this position recently. Um, I know that from just previous conversations with you, you have been with the CDC for a little while now. Is that correct? That's right. So I've been working there for, I'd say, started in 2012. So 10 years. Oh my goodness. Um, Congratulations this again. my 11th year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've worn a lot of hats. Um, I came in as a contractor, um, and, um, I've worn many different hats. So I came in as a a junior, um, health communicator, worked my way up, um, became like a deputy, served as a branch chief for a little bit. Um, and then I became a team lead. Um, but all the way through, it's always been with health communication. So I've always been a writer, communicator um, in that lane and um, moved through a few different topics. But the time that I spent most um, most of my time, the area that I spent most of my time on was um, drug overdose. So that's my most recent. I see. I see. Drug overdose. Um, so... Um... I don't know how possible this is. Um, I feel like it is possible, but could you rewind all the way back, you know, to even high school? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> not, no, not in the sense that it's that it's not possible. It's just like I know that, you know, a decade of work, you know, a lot has happened. Um, so to even just remember what happened before then, I feel like it uh, can be challenging at times. But um, yeah, I would really love to know the journey, you know, like, did you always enjoy writing? Is there a reason, you know, you went into public health in particular? Um, yeah, like, it, what was high school like for you? And what did you decide to do as you entered the next stage or chapter of your life? Um. So this is so funny. I, I love this question because it's so open. And um, so I'll just highlight like a couple of things. Yeah. Um, in high school, I very clearly remember asking my dad, what do you think of me becoming a writer or maybe even a teacher? And I remember him saying, I absolutely forbid it. And I was like, okay. I mean, I was like shocked, but I was also like, okay, oh well, I guess I'm going to be a doctor then. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so shocked. I, people can't see my face, but when you said that, I guess I didn't expect, I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. I think he just, I think he was surprised that I was even interested. Mm. Um, I think, you know, we'd always talked about me becoming a doctor and, you know, I just, I like school well enough. So I thought, well, you know, might as well. It, <laughs> I mean, might as well become a doctor. That's not what you say, but <laughs> I didn't have real ambitions, I should say. Like I didn't have like a goal in mind or yeah. like a career I wanted. Um, so it's funny that I end up here as a writer, like decades later. Um, <clears throat> but the reason I ended up in public health was actually, um, funny I in high school I was I felt very called to the missions field mm. so that was another reason I was considering becoming a doctor because I thought um even my view of missions was very narrow and mm -hmm. I didn't quite understand what role I could play that would be useful wow yeah um so I just knew I wanted to be overseas I knew that's where my heart came alive um and so, you know, I, I felt called at a very young age. I think I was like 15 or 16 at the time. Um, so anyway, fast forward just a little bit. I had just finished my college, my first year of college, and I went on a medical missions trip. Um, yeah, it was super fun. I went to the Philippines with a group, a very small group for about a month. We traveled um, for almost the whole time. I had all of one year of pre-med studies under my belt. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to be a medical doctor. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, I will say, I feel like that is the missions trip that completely allowed me to let go of the dream of becoming a doctor. Um, there was a time we were debriefing after every day. So we would hold a clinic during the day for pretty much the entire day. And then at the end of the day, our team of, I think it's five of us would sit and just talk about the day, pray together, um, pray about the next day. Um, and one, I remember one night, one of the nurses started weeping as she was sharing it. She said, I 
met a lady today who was dying of lung disease and she was in a lot of pain and um and then so I asked her you know do you know why you're sick and she said of course I know why I'm sick I smoke cigarettes every day mm. and so my friend said well if you know that's what's making you so sick why do you smoke cigarettes and she said because they're my only joy very matter of fact so then we all started weeping because we were like, how, how could that be? You know? Um, so we all felt the heaviness of, of the lack of joy in that place. Um, and I basically carried that like existential crisis for the rest of the trip because I was thinking like, oh my gosh, like we're here with like band-aids and Advil and that doesn't even touch the surface of the pain and the hurt that people are feeling. Mm. It's not just a physical need. There's like so much under there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I started thinking about like what makes a person. And um, I started really holding on to the verse, um, John 10, 10, where it says, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus comes so that we may have life and have it in abundance. And I, I was like, this isn't abundant life. And how can we say we're bringing abundant life? We are not doing that um, through this medical trip. It's absolutely necessary. And we were helping people, but inside I was like, I I felt it was empty Mm. for me. Um, And so I went home feeling like totally wrecked. I was like, what am I doing with my life? Um, So I told like an older, you know, older student about, about the trip and and how I was feeling. She was also (laughs) pre-med and, um, and she said, Helen, look into public health. And I was like, what is that? Um, And I started, you know, like voraciously reading about the topic, about the, you know, schools, about, you know, what, what's possible. Um, and I was like, oh, this is, this is the field. So that everything just clicked for me because it's basically the field of prevention, um, Mm. prevention of health, um, conditions, health issues. And so, um, that's what public health is going upstream. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so it's working hand in hand with doctors. Of course, doctors are needed to yes. like, you know, treat people, but public health is more about, you know, um, addressing, you know, those upstream issues of like, um, you know, a more holistic view, you know, okay. of a person. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so for example, um, I got really interested at the time in something called community health evangelism. Um, Sorry, community health evangelism. Yeah. Okay. So it also is that same thing of like looking at a community and entering as a learner and figuring, having them figure out what their main issues are and what, what they would like to do to solve their problems. And it's coming alongside of that. And it's, it's, so interesting because the things that the communities themselves choose, they're not always health issues. Mm. You know, they may be financially related. 
it, or they may be socially related. So like, it's, it's this thing of like, health isn't just physical health. It's mm-hmm. all connected. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, I, that's a really meandering way of saying like my interest in public health, uh, for me really brought together, um, missions. It brought together my view of what health is, um, and that it's not just treating a disease. Um, my, you know, life verse of John 10, 10 of abundant life. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up not going to school for public health right away, but I, I did go to school eventually um, and got my master's in public health as well. Wow, that is so fascinating. Thank God for your friend. Because right? like she that's so on that crazy. Path. I, I just yeah. feel like um even me right now, I'm like, oh, I had no idea. Like, um, that that's what public health kind of in encapsulated, I guess. Like, and I feel like if I had known that, it makes a lot of sense. Like for me too. I think um and I'm assuming parts of it too, as you said earlier, like prevention and stuff like that as well, is just um, educating people, right, on on certain issues and certain um, uh, I, what do you call? I, don't, I guess issues, topics. Um, but uh, like, and it kind of like brings together too, even your desire to like be a teacher even I feel like you mentioned earlier um wow that is so cool (laughs) (laughs) okay so you you went to school for public okay uh so that would have been what your your sophomore year when you kind of started getting into things does that mean you transitioned to public health and then like as an undergrad or there are undergrad programs but I was at the time going to a liberal arts school okay and um that wasn't a thing there. So I continued in um, taking pre-med classes because they actually are prerequisites for okay. public, uh, pu- most public health degrees. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine so, that, yeah, that helped you, right? Like in just yeah. knowing things. <laughs> yeah, it helped a lot. And then um, <laughs> I am also um, just really, um, interested in a lot of different things. So um, my undergrad degree was actually in cognitive science, which um, doesn't even exist there anymore, which that's interesting. I'm a limited edition cognitive science. What is cognitive science, Helen? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Um, It is a combination of psychology, Uh linguistics, philosophy, and computer science. And basically it is the study of the mind. Um, So when you take it, the psychology is like the hardware of your brain. Philosophy is like where thoughts come from. Linguistics is how we express them. And then computer science is the piece of um, artificial intelligence. And can we get other people or people, computers to think with our mind, that sort of a thing. So did you go to school? (laughs) I went to well, uh, a small liberal arts school called Wellesley College. It's up in Massachusetts. Okay, that's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, I guess. And the reason I picked this major actually, so nothing, I feel like nothing in my life has ever been intentional um, in terms of like career path. Um, and the reason I chose this major simply was that we were coming to the end of my sophomore year and we were being forced to choose a major at that point. And I had literally taken one class in almost every department across the board. And I didn't have enough credits in any one to topic to graduate on time. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> uh, that that's is so why funny. I <laughs> okay. Okay. So you graduate with uh, this degree. <laughs> yeah. And then, but then, so, but for you, always the plan was to go to grad school for public health. Um, I mean, I thought it was a good idea. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that I, I didn't exactly have a plan. And I think that's kind of, you know, funny because it's like the only thing my dad wanted for me was to have a plan. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> um, I think, I think the theme across all the years really is just like, I, I have always asked like, God, what, what do you have for me right now? You know, like I didn't, when I was called into missions in high school, I was like, who needs college? I'll just go overseas. So um, going to college even felt really off track for me, but I did feel very strongly that God was calling me to go to college. So during those years, I was like, God, what do you have for me? Because it's not about the degree. Um, and so yeah, I think there was so much that God poured into me and matured me in so many different ways in college. Um, that wasn't, again, like wasn't about the actual motions of going to classes and stuff like that. Um, and he just wanted to mature me. He could, he, I just, I think he achieved more through me um, after having waited and eventually gone through grad school. Um, than if I had gone straight from high school. So yeah. it was in that obedience that yeah. he poured into me. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right after college. Um, and oh, and another theme is like, I really haven't cho chosen my path. I've like applied to things. But <laughs> literally God has like opened one door. So like, even my way into CDC, I would say, I think I applied to like 75 different jobs about, about that and then got one job offer out of those. Um, so I, I really feel like God has been faithful, yeah. you know, like of like when it's time to open the one door wow. and it's always been that way. Um, so yeah, after college, it, sounds like I had a plan, but I didn't. I, I ended up getting a job, the one job um, at the at NIH. And I worked as a research fellow there for a couple of years. Um, and that actually ended up being the experience I needed as a prerequisite to get into grad school. So oh, wow. okay. um, I didn't plan any of that, but <laughs> it's like each thing built on the next. Wow. And I just kept asking God, what do you have for me right now? Oh, that's so, that's um, very comforting, actually. I feel like for me and maybe somebody listening to know that like um, closed doors are answers too. And 
um are do you know your do you know your Myers Briggs by any chance? Um I am an INFJ. INFJ. Oh, that's interesting. INFJ. Okay. Cuz I feel like um you saying that you didn't really have a plan and you just kind of went with it. Um uh it just shows that you really uh how how great your faith was, I think during those times. Um because I feel like usually Js are a little more like this but then maybe your end side is a little more open-minded i'm esfj so i'm very like it's gotta be this <laughs> way <laughs> and then david is isfj so our poor children is <laughs> like we expect like it's gotta be like this but um thankfully uh they're a little more f- or that's not true eli's more like us but then Zoe's a little, our free spirit, so she lightens the mood oh. in our family. But That's anyways, so nice. all that to say, all that to say, I think it's really great that um, you were okay during those times. Though, were you like able to recognize that, or do you feel like l- later you were able to recognize what God was doing? Was it frustrating in the moment, or were you like still just trusting what God was doing? Um. You know, I think there was a lot of like paradoxical feelings there because I do feel like I felt all the extremes. So the answer mm-hmm. is like, yes to everything mm-hmm. because, um, you know, there were times where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm wasting all this money, mm-hmm. all this time. And, you know, what am I even doing here? Or like my research position after college, um, I lived with my parents. It was one of the hardest times. Mm-hmm. I did it for two years. and. Um, you know, I had already moved away for college. And so moving back in with my parents was tough mm-hmm. and we didn't get along very well. And, um, because I kept talking about missions <laughs> and, um, they didn't like that. So it, it was a tough time, um, for sure. But, you know, again, I think looking back, it's where it starts really to make sense and say, you know, God really allowed that time to allow my parents and I to work on our relationship um, during that time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I I was impatient for sure throughout. Um, that was in there. Yeah, I think uh, the reason I ask is just I, I feel like um, – most of the time when we're in it, it doesn't really feel like, you know, God's plan in the moment. But definitely in self-reflection, it's like, oh, yeah, he had us the entire way. And I just wanted to know how how uh, maybe you took it, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's all good. But, <laughs> but <laughs> um, again, for me personally, it's encouraging to know that someone as accomplished as you um, had your downs, too. So, um Okay, so like after grad school, do you apply to CDC? Was that like, you said you applied to a lot of jobs and then CDC was the one that was open for you? Yeah, there's another phase in there after grad school where I actually um, couldn't find a job. Uh Same story of like I applied to a bunch of places. Um, And 
Um, oh wait, sorry, real same- quick, real quick before yeah. you continue. Yeah. Did you know what kind of job you were looking for or you're open to anything? I was open to anything. Okay. 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 I okay. wanted to do something that used my grad school degree for okay. sure. Okay. Um, but that was where I got into that thing of, well, I have no experience, so I can't get a job that I'm qualified. I'm not qualified to get the job that I want. Mm. Um, right out of grad school. So what I did was I ended up going to different, like, um, like, uh, I think I ended up going to some conference that was like public health related. It's very fuzzy, such a long time ago, but, um, I went and like, you know, at conferences, there's like lines and lines of booths of people mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. are exhibiting. Um, I just went down the line and anytime I found one that I thought was interesting, I took their info information and then I cold called every single one of them. I said, Hey, I want to work for you. Um, ended up getting one job. <laughs> Good um, for you. And Good for yeah, you I, I feel like at... people don't cold call anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I worked at this one nonprofit for about a year um, on African American HIV AIDS issues. Oh, we wow. um, we were doing uh, a national coalition, like building a national coalition, and did some grant writing for them. Um, and in in the in during that time, I was also preparing to actually become a full time missionary. So that was just to pay the bills until I could get overseas. Um, and then I spent a couple of years in Kenya and then um, a few years in Florida, the whole time being uh, uh, serving as a missionary. So, yeah. What? And then after that, when I left missions, then I started applying for CDC. Who are you? That is so amazing. Okay. Okay. I did not know any of this. Oh, uh, I should have disclaimed this in the beginning. So you guys, Helen and I just started going to church together not too long ago. And I like jumped on her because I was like, you work for the CDC. Do you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds interesting. Um, so for me, it's really cool to be able to hear this part of your life because I'm just now getting to know you. Uh, so now mm-hmm. I'm like... Oh, like I didn't realize you had this whole other chunk of your life before in the professional world of like, you know, center of disease. And um, so Kenya, what were you doing there? Yeah. So I felt really called to HIV AIDS ministry. Okay. Um, And this was, this happened during grad school, actually. I was taking a class um, on, on the, on the HIV AIDS epidemic and, um, during that class, you know, I was asking a question, you know, what do you have, what do you have for me, God? And, um, I just started weeping. I wept for like the entire quarter, oh my goodness. um, just like thinking about God's heart mm-hmm. for this topic, you know? Um, and, and, uh, I heard someone's testimony at some point in that, during that time where he said, I've done so many bad things, or I've done so many things, how could God ever possibly love me? And that stuck with me for years. Um, And so um, I I volunteered, or I connected with the missions agency um, through a conference um, and told them I have my master's and I really want to work on HIV AIDS. So they connected me with a health clinic system that they had set up in Kenya. 
um, to do home-based care for HIV AIDS and help um, help with uh, community outreach as well as um, some administrative activities for their um, PEPFAR funds for getting treatment out to rural areas. Um, wow. So yeah, I actually um, did get to use my degree on the field. So that was really neat. Um, and I continued to get further into community health evangelism. So I worked with another um, organization and started saying, setting up some projects there. Um, and yeah, okay, it was, so we it have was to talk time. about this in depth because I really am curious now. So you um, said that you set up some projects were you about to talk about that before I interrupted you or were you just going to move on? Because <laughs> no. we, need we need to stop and talk about these for a second because um, I'm so fascinated by even what that is, like the community. What did you call it? What is it called again? Community health evangelism. Community health evangelism. So these projects you described before as like you go into the community and you find out what it is the big issue is. Yeah. As a whole, and then you start working from there, correct? Right. Okay. So, what were some of the projects that were like an initiative for you that you started? Yeah. So, um, there was this one one place I visited where, um, sorry, I'm like remembering it. Um, hold on one second. Um, we, so when I got there, um, <laughs> sorry. No, no, let it's me, okay. Let me restart my story. Um, I was visiting as a teacher and um, I was like, yeah, I can talk on any in any topics, but public health um, and HIV AIDS is really um, what I'd like to talk about. Uh -huh. And they were like, oh, cool, cool. Okay, well, come, come out to, you know, the church um, at two o'clock and you can talk about that stuff. And so I was like, okay, cool. So I came like with all my materials planned and, um, and people started trickling in and, and then the translator showed up and he's like, okay, so you're ready to talk about hygiene. And I was like, hygiene, I have, I have no materials for hygiene. I wasn't going to do that. And he uh -huh. was like, oh no, everybody's here for hygiene. And I was like, uh, <laughs> um, okay. Um, so you know, um, I started a little bit to talk about hygiene and then I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start talking about what I came to talk about. And, um, and we started talking about, uh, the topic, um, one of the elders brought up the topic of wife sharing when I was talking about how HIV is passed okay. and, um, and a lot of, uh, communities don't talk about wife sharing um openly to outsiders okay. and so the fact that they brought it up on their own and started discussing it was like a big deal sure yeah um and basically what it is is anyone who is of the same age group man uh, any man who is of the same age group they're um they have certain privileges that they share with one another and one of them is uh if one of the men is is on travel and his home is without a man, then any other man is allowed to go into that home 
and take his place for however long, a night, a few nights, whatever. So this is like a community thing. Yes. That's insane. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, not to... It was... It's just like so outside my purview that I can't even... That's that's so interesting, and right. even as like what if, so the women have no say in this either. No, yeah, and interestingly, I was there as an unmarried twenty-something year old, right, right? Um, so I was addressed. People addressed me as child because I was not married, so I didn't belong to any man. Okay, so that that means I am a child. I, see. I only become a woman when I belong to. I see, and it's belonging it's it's like ownership and not got you got you marriage. okay so All right so okay so he shares he asks you right about this. so he brings this up and okay. he's like wait a minute like if you if what you say is true when we do this wife sharing if like the first man had hiv and he had given it to his wife then the second man who arrives would get hiv too right is that true and I was like, yeah, that's true. Um, and so they started talking amongst themselves. And I was like, to my translator, <laughs> and he was like, something's happening and it's good. So just wow. wait it, wait it out. So they started like amongst the men started talking and they were like, oh, this is a real problem. This is that's something crazy. we need to actually talk about. Yes. Um, we can't just pretend it's not happening. Um, so over time they started to identify the cultural value placed on wife sharing is really a lot of like face, um, saving face and like being considerate of their fellow age group I see members. So they were like, well, you know, over time they started planning. So this is like past the time that we were together, but they started making plans and saying, okay, well, we need to be able to accommodate for traveling shepherds. So people who are of the same age group who want to have a place to stay so that they don't have to lay in the same bed as our wife. So we need to build a separate home or a separate room for them, but we need money to do that. So they started like gathering their resources and actually like building on their houses, like separate areas for visiting men to spend the night, which solved the problem of taking care of each other um, without, you know, talking about the issue or, yeah, (laughs) breaking code or whatever. That is Um, so crazy. Like, like what's crazy to me is that if you had not talked about it and continued to talk about hygiene, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> there would have been no like light bulb moment yeah. for the who for this man who was boldly, I feel like it was probably boldly stepped oh, up yeah. and was like, hey, but then that means this, right? Like yeah. and our women are probably, you know, sick and dying and men. Without mm-hmm. even realizing what was happening. <gasps> That's so crazy. Yeah. What year was this? This was a while ago. So it was like 2005. 
No, but I mean, even then, yeah. it's not that long ago. Wow. Okay, so these were the kinds of things that were happening when you were in Kenya, like the types of projects that were kind of taking place and the conversations that were being had. Wow, this must have been so, like, such a, what is it? Fulfilling and, like, aha moment for you too. Like, as yeah. a public health servant, right? Like, yeah. and then being called to the mission field. Wow, the plan of God is so real for me right now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm all about it, Helen. This is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It was definitely cool. And, you know, like, it's those moments of, like, when things were taking off, you know, outside of me. It's like, I wasn't yes. there. It, it's not for my glory. It's for for God to show himself, for his yeah. spirit to be moving and revealing truth and, like, saving people, right? And, like, doing the work there. Um, in those communities because I wasn't I wasn't doing that I know I but okay, but but thing, but you know but like you know it's just like if you hadn't <clears throat> stuck by faith to the journey to the open doors that were being given right like this abundant life that we talk about right like yeah. that is what happened in this community it's like that yeah. was what was possible because of yeah. your education and like you know what I mean like just everything coming together wow I'm like so <laughs> amazed right now <laughs> that is so cool okay that's pretty yeah neat. yeah so cool um yeah so I you know I I handed the baton to others um when I ended up leaving and I mm. think you know, a lot of people did like more work on like um, gardening, irrigation, mm. like they have a real problem with drought um, and like wells, and some well right building. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rain team. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it was. Yeah. The things that took place after I left was almost just as rewarding so it's like oh that's so cool like these communities are like really flourishing and finding ways to um make make lasting change for their whole families so amazing sorry you said kenya and then you said one other place that's yeah i ended up serving in the home office in florida oh okay okay yeah Um, so from there i was helping to build our like global missions uh, global medical outreach. Okay. Um, so recruiting more people who were, you know, were healthcare professionals and um, helping them to get connected with, um, you know, fundraising as well as, I mean, support raising as well as like um, helping them get like funding for their um, like school loans and, and getting their things in order um, and then placing them overseas. And, um, I also worked with like our youth ministry. So I did like short term projects to, um, to talk about like, um, different topics related to youth, um, youth and and their health as well. Um, so I traveled to different places like Bulgaria and Thailand and Panama and Gabon in West Africa. Um, actually, I traveled down the east coast of Africa too. 
So I've traveled a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, always just teaching and, and talking about, um, the core of, you know, the things is like holistic ministry and just, um, yeah, finding ways to connect, um, the health issues with like the spiritual issues with the social issues, economic and emotional issues, like, um, the whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So, um, why not stay here? Why, why move to CDC? Yeah. uh, So I think, um, we had been through some things. Um, so the reason I left Kenya, first of all, um, was that my entire house burned down. Um, yeah, my house burned down and I lost everything in America in Kenya. Oh my gosh. Um, and I lost everything I brought. (laughs) I packed everything I owned and brought it to Kenya and then my house burned down. So I had like nothing. (laughs) What? That's crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Was it an accident or like? It was an accident. So I had, um, my home was, uh, had no, like no electricity or running water or anything. And it, the, um, refrigerator ran on gas and the gas pilot light exploded. And so the whole gas tank exploded and then the whole house caught fire really fast. Oh my goodness. Um, and everybody was safe. Um, thankfully no one got hurt, but it really, um, was a stressor during my time there. (laughs) I can only imagine that. Okay. Yeah. It was tough to come back from that. I stayed for another year or so, but, um, also during that second year, we had some like political unrest. And so Mm -hmm. there was like a lot of um, like gunfire and violence around where I was living. And so I actually ended up having to evacuate my area and work from a different location. And so that combined with the trauma of the whole time I was there, yeah. I decided I needed home for a mental health um, break. Yes. And then um, ended up staying in the States after that. Um, didn't, didn't go back. So. Um, okay. So. And that's what brought you to the Florida office, I'm assuming. Right. Okay. Right. And then during my time in Florida, there were some other things that happened within an organization that made it hard to continue on with our work there. And at the same time, my, at, at the time, husband went back to school for graphic design. So we, he applied to a few schools in the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we ended up moving here. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So it just happened to be where CDC was and I'd always wanted to work there. So Uh um, it all worked out. That's awesome. Okay. So, you know, you started at the CDC and I guess the real question is like for someone listening to this podcast and uh, maybe they, they, your associate director now, and it's like, okay, how do I do that? How do I get where she is now? Like what kind of, I mean, you said that you had different roles, you wore different hats throughout the 10 years that you've been there. Um, But like, do you, I don't know, like, is there a right way or a wrong way to go about doing things if you want to pursue a career in the field that you're in? Um, 
I think um, one of the keys to getting getting in the door is experience. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, I would say like the best thing to do is to look, look around at any local organizations where you might want to volunteer or work part-time and just, you know, connect with whoever is working in your area in the field. Um, um, and I think too, the other thing is when I came in as a contractor, I didn't have any experience. So that's another way to get in into CDC is, um, you know, there's a, there's probably like dozens of contracting organizations that hire people so that they can work in CDC as a contractor. Um, so I always tell people like, find those contracting organizations, call them up and say, Hey, I'm going to send my resume to you. Mm. Um, and, and they'll keep it on file. And whenever like a contractor either quits or moves away or whatever, um, they call up all the people that they have resumes on file and they say, you know, are you interested? So, um, it's a pretty easy way, I think, to get in the door as well. Um, you know, you you have been there for a while now. Is there in like you know you've kind of gone through like you said different types of jobs within the within the com- company? I don't. What do you call yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, agency. <laughs> um, is there a reason you stayed? Like you know what I mean? Like you, it's such mm-hmm. a long haul. Um, do you just like it there or they treat you well at the CDC? I guess yeah, hopefully CDC is not listening. But <laughs> <laughs> They'll hear you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would say um, one of my favorite things about working at the CDC is the people. Mm. Um, I would say it's just filled with some of the greatest people. They have like such a passion for the science wow, and, um, and such a heart for the topic. So, you know, people are very passionate and when they start like geeking out about data, it's like so cool. Like, yeah, I, I think that. it's so cool. <laughs> um, and especially where I am right now um, on, you know, human development and disabilities, I, I feel like people are there because because they have a reason to care. Um, so they care a ton and, and it comes through in all of our work. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's been inspiring, it's been challenging, and um and you know, it is kind of my personality to get my hands in a lot of different kinds of things and learn all the time. So that's really appealing to me because every day is different. Mm. Um, okay. Well, you told us some things that you like uh, about your job, but is there anything that you don't like about your job? My number one thing I hate <laughs> is um, public speaking. I really oh. dislike talking in front of groups. Um, so yeah, part of my job is, is uh, presenting. Oh, I, I really wish I did not have that fear of public speaking. Um, I also really dislike um, administrative tasks. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's probably anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't like that kind of stuff, yeah. like policies and reading rules. And oh man, but then like now that you <laughs> have a higher position, isn't that like most of like do you have to do more public speaking and do yeah, more policy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I'm on calls of like you know, yeah, more than. Seven is my maximum. I, I feel comfortable up to seven and more than that, it feels like a large group. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when people call on me and meeting them, like I just want to hide. I'm right. like, I know I'm like, we're even all remote, it still makes me nervous. Right, right, right. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Oh man. No, but sometimes I feel like Zoom is worse. Like, I don't know why, but just Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, did you see some of those like accidents through zoom like people like accidentally didn't know they were on the screen and like they went to the bathroom and stuff like so many weird oh, yeah. things but it's like, yeah. anyways, i know that there... would never happen to us but right it would never <laughs> <laughs> knock on wood but um right um well helen we are rounding out our hour together i am so grateful uh for your time this evening but i do always ask people um if they have any life advice like you know anything at all like that you feel like if you maybe if you were younger you'd want to tell yourself or just something you've learned over the years um I'd say the more the more you trust that things are going to work out I think the easier it becomes to trust Mm -hmm. that things are going to work out yeah Um, and I think, yeah, I just, I just keep thinking like everything works out for people, Mm -hmm. you know, God takes care of us. Um, he loves us more than we love ourselves and he'll work things out, um, he'll work out all the, all the struggles, all the closed doors, all the hurdles in the way. Um, and if, you know. And through the struggle, he'll show up too. So, yeah, yeah I just think things will always work out. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. I feel like I'm learning that more every day too. I think, you know, as a new mom, can I still say I, I feel like a new mom still? Oh, but, yeah. yeah. You absolutely <laughs> have. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and, you know, just like I mentioned earlier to you, like as a perfectionist my entire life, um, I've learned to just like, you know what? (laughs) Like it doesn't work out how you always want it to, but yes, trusting in God and, um, trusting that there is a plan that he has for you and not your own, um, makes everything so much lighter and actually so much better because, uh, when you can fall into that plan he has, like you were talking about, I think it just gives you bit better, bigger and better perspective of what he's doing in my life and the life of other people's lives too. So, um, yeah, it's really good. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Helen, I'm so sorry. I, I know I said that was my last question, um, but I did want to ask one more and it, I, um, <laughs> you, you have two children. Um, 
uh, a girl and a boy, a middle schooler and an elementary schooler. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit on what it's like being a working mom? <laughs> it's uh, it's a bit of a circus. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, the reason I ask is um, I will say that a lot of my guests are younger and um, there I do have older guests as well that have kids around the same age as yours. But um, I don't get to talk about it too much, but I do feel like it's really important and people maybe are curious, like, you know, what what's it like to. Like, can I do it? Can I work and be a mom at the same time? I personally think you can. Um, I don't do that currently myself. But um, yeah, if any, is there any wisdom that you can share? Yes, I'm sure it's a circus. I can't even, again, I can't even imagine because like, I don't, I don't go into the <laughs> office and I don't do like the things that other people do. But um, even my life, you know, is a circus. So uh, yeah, what, what is the balance like for you? Um. So I think, I think like, I think the key is to like, think about like actually put, putting out my expectations into the, into the forefront of my thinking and to say, okay, those are my expectations. Mm -hmm. Now let's adjust them to what I can do. Ooh, and that's and I, good. Yes. Yeah. Because sometimes those expectations are like way back there. Right, right. And you are not even thinking, they're not on the awareness, you know, they're not in the forefront. So so you're just expecting things. And then when you it doesn't happen, it's like devastatingly disappointing. Right. Um, right. So yeah. So like I often need to like bring them out to the forefront and I say them out loud. And I tell my kids, hey, um, this morning, for example, this morning, I even said this. I was like, I expect us to work together as a team to try and get out the door on time. So let's all stay on track, even mommy. We're all going to try and stay on track and get our things together, get ourselves ready and get out the door by this, you know, such and such time. Oh, that and is today, so good. it actually worked. That's so good. That's so, I'm like, yes, I need to do that. That is yeah, so good, right? Because yeah, the yeah. kids need to know. Yeah, and and so like, and in those times where like I haven't been able to like verbalize the stuff, where mm. I've like made unfair expectations or whatever, and I get upset or you know like feel guilty or whatever happens. Then I'll also verbalize like, hey, kids, like, I, I am sorry. Like, mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I have, I, I have, I don't have much more to give right now. Mm -hmm. And it's not your responsibility to, you know, to shoulder that. Mm -hmm. So let me rephrase, like, let me take a break. Mm -hmm. I'll come back. We'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Mom's okay. Um, but to like, it's always, you know, that communication. And I think, I think that's what keeps me going of yeah. like, our kids are there and they're seeing it all. They're not just, they're not just, you know, they're not just there, they're participating. So mm -hmm. I think like part of being a, 
working mom and now a single mom, it's like remembering that they're um, like they're playing an active role. And mm-hmm. and uh, not that I rely on them as grownups at all, um, but that they're, you know, I want them to be an active participant in the family. So it's not all on me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're like working together and uh, loving each other and, and, you know, learning what it means to love, learning what it means to show grace and support and communicate well and love each other well. Um, so I think that's like a big part of me being as a, a working mom is like, learning how to have grace for myself, mm-hmm. for my kids, mm-hmm. uh, because it's never smooth. You yeah. know, it's never this like shiny ideal um, situation where right. like, things are easy and <laughs> everything is clean and organized. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I take as many shortcuts as I can. Um, that's the other thing. It's like, I used to think I, and I used to cook every night and pack every lunch. And, um, those days are gone. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I do, I do my very best to pick what I want to hold dear and precious. Yeah. And do those things. So that might be like cook the special meal once a week. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And let the rest go because that doesn't matter. And it just causes extra burden for me. So. Okay. Well, that was a pep talk I needed on parenting. Thank you so much, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> After the day I had, man, I don't know what is going on with my kids. I think they're like, I like looked at David today and I was like, I think they're like, I don't know, going through another milestone or something. Like, oh my gosh, those milestones kill me. Like, I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is wrong with my children? But anyways, but yes, okay, but all the things you just said was maybe maybe not for our listeners, but for me right now. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Life is so yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But but I like what you said about the balancing and what like what does balance look like? It's kind of setting those expectations in the forefront and also understanding that parenting doesn't look just this one way right like and it's not even compromise like that's not the word for me it's more like what is important to you and the other the rest will work itself out and that goes back to the whole trusting thing right like like trusting that god is taking care of our children and Oh, it's so hard yeah. it's so hard but like it's so hard the control right that that yeah. I want and um yeah anyways and uh, you know I will also say one last thing like yeah. that always brings me like the most amount of peace is like God is not surprised by by our life you know like he's not surprised that I'm a working right now mm. like and 
And for all the ways that he has loved me and provided for me and been faithful to me, he's doing the same thing for my kids right yeah, now. Yeah. So like all the ways that I have not been able to, where I've left huge gaps in my support for my kids, like those are the gaps that he's coming to fill for them. And that's going to be part of their story of mm-hmm. how God met them. And I just have to trust that that, that story that he's writing in my life, he's also writing in Moses's life and Eden's life yeah. simultaneously. Right, right. And he's taking care of them way better and filling in those gaps way better than I could ever imagine, even if I were there for them all the time, 100%, you know, which even that doesn't ever happen. But, mm. um, but yeah, this is, it's, none of this is a, is a surprise. And God is like never late. He's always on time. Yes. Always filling those gaps. I love that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. Yeah, he's not surprised. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Helen, thank you again so much for your time. I I really appreciate everything you said tonight. Um, Is... Is it okay if someone maybe is listening is like, hey, like I want to know more about what she does or even just her, your journey up until now, would you be okay with me connecting you with them? I would love that. Oh, great. That's great. So guys, you heard it. Um, If you um, heard anything interesting in this podcast and you wanted to learn more, please feel free to reach out to me. You can DM me on social media or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com and I will get you connected with Helen. Um, Helen, thank you again. You are amazing. Um, Yeah, I'm just so appreciative of the journey and uh, your story today. Thank you so much. Of course. Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye.